Hey guys, this is Jason Carpenter here with a little introduction. This episode was actually recorded before I went to the hospital. It's been sitting on my computer and I wanted to get it out to you guys. And I wanted to do them both on the same day, but I don't know how the algorithm works. Tomorrow, Christmas Day, we're going to have a Christmas special. So I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. I'm just super tired. But I went to the doctor. Everything checks out. I got some stuff I need to take care of, but really, really tired. Um, you can hear that in my voice as opposed to the episode you're about to hear, but I love you guys. I wanted to get this episode out to you on Christmas Eve, and tomorrow we will have, I've already recorded it, just got to edit it, a Christmas special. Thank you so much for your well wishes, but enough of this sappy stuff. Let's get this episode started. Drop the beat. I don't know. I don't know how to end this. So, here you go. A conspiracy theorist legend. Hangs up his worm hat. Two pieces of lost media may be out there. Are you willing to find them? And then we travel to a woman's bedroom. One night, like any other, she shuts the light off and goes to bed. But when she wakes up a few hours later, she realizes she's not in her bedroom. She's nowhere. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys have a great upcoming weekend. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to slide right into this. First off, I want to give a shout out to today's supporter of the show, Jones. Everyone give a round of applause to Jones. He's dancing in all slow and weird like the little dude from Twin Peaks. He's just dancing around. He's like, I don't even know what that dance is. Dance, Jones, dance. Dance, Jones. Jones actually supported the show on the Thanksgiving live stream, a very generous donation. So thank you so much, Jones. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you can't financially support the show, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. You'll also see today is Fan Art Friday. And today's artwork is from Lars Dudestan on Twitter. It's a pyramid with a rabbit ear that also has a rabbit head built into it, and then a UFO is abducting it. Or the pyramid is holding up two arms and carrying a UFO like the movie The Bodyguard. One of the two, I don't know. <laughs> Lars, Lars can explain that. I'm pretty sure it's the first one. Thank you so much for the fan art for Fan Art Friday. Jones... Now that you're done dancing, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. But before we go anywhere, this first story is very, very short. And depending on your view of monkeys, very, very sad. Hans Wormhat, longtime controversial conspiracy theorist, has quit YouTube. Longtime listeners of the show know that Hans Wormhat is the architect behind the conspiracy theory, Monkeys Aren't Real, which has really become one of our slogans on the show. He quits He's done. It's very interesting. I watched his last video and he goes, I'm just tired of making the same video over and over and over again. He really does make three types of videos. Bible verse videos. Videos claiming X isn't real or X doesn't exist. And then videos that I would not touch with a 10-foot pole. As far as the content creation of it, he goes, I've just, I make the same video all the time and I'm, he's burned out. He's burned out. He says that it's, he's going to move to a blog, but he's not going to tell anyone what the blog is. He says you have to, if you know how to find it, you'll find it is what he said. So basically, there's a one-eyed Willie's map out there that leads to a jungle fortress guarded by men in monkey suits. And in the middle of that fortress is Hans himself. 
So Hans is gone. That is kind of the end of an era. His channel's been around longer than mine has. And we actually just probably wrapped up the Forrest Finn story as well. Is this a harbinger for a new era of Dead Rabbit Radio? Are we actually in the coming months and years going to meet a whole new host of weirdos that we can exploit <laughs> we can exploit for views? Who knows? But someday Hans may come back to YouTube, but for now, he is no more. So Jones, now that we're done giving a eulogy to a man who's still alive, but his YouTube channel isn't, go ahead and drive us in this Jason Jalopy. We're going to head on out to MTV Studios. Cars driving on the road. This episode has a bit of a little challenge for you. I'm going to present two stories of lost media. One is true and one is false. Or both are true or both are false. You won't know until the end of the segment. That's normally how narratives work. You don't know the ending until I get there. But I want you to think, which one of these lost medias could be true or either of them? This is my best Jonathan Frakes impression. I just ask questions and then stop talking. Jones, stop right here. We're going to hop out of the car and we're at MTV Studios. It's January 21st, 2000. That was a time to be watching MTV. All the stars, all the songs. It was the coolest place you could be. So who wouldn't want to visit MTV Studios in the year 2000? It was a great time for MTV. At MTV Studios, they're filming a new show called... Dude, this sucks. That's how you had to say it. That's how it was written on the stationery. You had to pronounce it just like that. It was a gong show. So basically, you had these judges sit around, and people would come out and do these wacky stunts. And at a certain point, the judges would go, Dude, this sucks, and they'd get yanked off. But these weren't just people playing tubas. Well, maybe a tuba full of yogurt. This was edgy. They didn't want just your grandpa's gong show. Because if they saw your grandpa's gong show, they would go, Dude, this sucks! January 21st, 2000, people are watching them film this show. And we're sitting in the audience. And one of the directors go, Hey, I need some uh, volunteers. I need some volunteers to be in this next scene. Now you go to get up. And I look at Jones, and Jones looks at me. We both kind of shake our head, and we're like, no, no, no. You don't want to be a part of this. Instead, a bunch of teenage girls get up. They're like 13, 14 years old. They're having the time of their lives. MTV in the year 2000. So they get up on stage, and they're saying, oh, stand up against this wall. We want you to stand right here, right by this wall. You're going to be part of this challenge called Shower Rangers. And they're like, what? Okay, it's fine. MTV in the year 2000. We trust you. So two guys come out. They're dressed up as Boy Scouts. And there's like a little fake campfire scene. And they're like rubbing their hands like they're trying to keep warm. And they're like, oh, this is a pretty good fire, isn't it, Billy? It is. It is. <laughs> not very good acting. Not very good acting on this. The point of it is, as the girls were standing there, the two dudes walk up, bend over, pull down their pants, and spray liquid diarrhea all over the teenage girls in front of the entire studio audience as it's being filmed. Does that video footage exist? Would anyone think that was appropriate at any time to air on television? We'll figure that out in a second. Jones, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're going to leave behind... How do you like that for a cliffhanger? We're going to leave behind MTV Studios. We're headed out to Nalchik, Russia. Dirigible is flying over the Atlantic Ocean. We eventually find ourselves in Nalchik, Russia. It's May 5th, 
1983. Oh, yeah, dude. Russia in 1983 was the place to be. The breadlines were mwah, amazing. If you're going to be at Russia at any point, <laughs> actually, Russia didn't exist, Soviet Union. It was 1983. It was peak Russia. May 5th, 1983. A UFO is spotted flying through the night sky. Soviet air defense. Hey, comrade, look. Look at that thing. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, he's a caveman. They're like, how did the Neanderthal get a job? Uh, me not know. Hey, comrade, look. There's something up there. We don't know what it is. Shoot it. <laughs> Soviet air defense begins launching missiles at this object. It's trying to dodge him. But eventually, sparks shooting out. 1950s sci-fi quality sparks shooting out of the side of this ship. You can see the little string on it. The spaceship crashes into the Stolovia Mountains. Later that night in that same area, a local man is doing something that local men do in the Soviet Union. And aliens talk to him. Okay, we have we don't know for some reason the report is detailed enough that the aliens went to meet a guy, but we have no idea what they said. They might have just been like holding their heads and have like space bandages on. They're like, uh, uh, can you give us some more band aids, some human band aids? Our band aids don't work in this gravity. We don't know, but maybe he did. We also have this report that some tourists from Moscow were visiting the Stolovia mountain region, you know, because that's what you do. You're from Moscow, but you want to go see what a mountain looks like. You know, they didn't have geography books back then. You actually have to go to the mountain. They said that when they were in the mountains, they saw the crashed UFO sitting there. Hole is ripped open. Still little lightning sparks coming out of it. Here's this quote I got. The local tourists, quote, reported that they had actually got inside of the UFO, but had not found anything. How can you not find anything on a UFO? Nothing? Nothing at all? That's basically like a tough shed that fell out of an airplane. It's just basically like a thing that you go in and there's nothing. Even if, you, even if a tough shed fell out of an airplane, you'd find something in there. But no, these tourists apparently went... Saw this UFO, walked inside, didn't find anything left. I would have moved in. I would have moved in. I told them, like, this is my place. Brought in a little comforter, hanging out, trying to hook up and watch some intergalactic television. But this is where the lost media comes in. Because the military eventually moves in on foot. And somebody in 1983 Russia, who's very you'd have to be very, very wealthy to own one of these, because you had to be pretty well off to own one in the United States, had a video camera. This video camera is... Now, it might have actually been a soldier's video camera. It could have been assigned by the government. But we don't have that information. This was from a book called The Soviet UFO Files by Paul Stonehill. I got it from thinkaboutitdocs.com, but they got it from that book. But the, whoever's taking the video footage, there is video footage of a second alien craft floating over a grassy plain in the region. 1983 video technology wasn't the best, but you could still make out the outline of this ship. The video footage then cuts to a gray alien walking through the grass and the Russian soldiers gripping their weapons. They're probably under orders to capture this guy, but there's that inhuman fear 
into them. You can almost sense it through the videotape as this expressionless creature is walking towards them. Broad daylight. Even though this creature is not human, you could tell its eyes were intensely staring at the scene in front of it. That emotion was visible even in this creature, even on videotape that at this point would be over 37 years old. One of those two videos, which one is fake or are they both fake? I will stop recording this episode until I get emails from all of you. Can you guys figure out, are they both fake or are they both real? Well, I'll tell you this. I, <laughs> I don't know entirely, but about the alien one. The alien one might be real because, again, it's probably not, but it may be. We'll get into that in a second. Dude, this sucks happened. It's 100% real. When I was reading about it on the Lost Media Wiki, I was like, oh, this is just something like Squidward suicide, but with poop. No, there's court cases because of this. The families of the girls sued MTV, and MTV had to issue a formal apology and settle with them. Someone at MTV thought it would be a good idea to have two men diarrhea all over a bunch of teenagers in front of an audience, and they videotaped it. And that tape is out there somewhere. Somewhere. You wouldn't destroy that, right? The head of MTV would be like, yo, get rid of that. We have a reputation to uphold. Now we're just going to get a bunch of teenagers drunk and lock them in a house for three weeks and call it a reality show. That tape exists. Dude, this sucks. Somewhere out there, there's a video. There has to at least be a screenshot, right? Of just two dudes smiling, wearing Boy Scout uniforms, and the girls behind them are super happy, and then lights the screen grab. Lost media. That's true lost media. I do believe it's out there. I, do, I mean, I, I don't think I'd watch the moment of explosion, but I'm curious that it exists in the first place. The alien one, we don't know if it exists. Like, that's the report that somebody videotaped it. And it's funny because on the face of it, it's just kind of a cluttered UFO story. UFO gets shot down, and then they visit a farmer for some reason. And then, inexplicably, tourists find nothing on a UFO. And then this. But I thought the image at the end of that story of the gray alien walking through the grass towards a bunch of Russian soldiers and it being videotaped. And I think, you know, on the one hand, it's not like the alien is being captured or roughed up or being shot or anything like that. It's walking towards a group of armed men with a very intense look on its face. That's a very, very vivid image. It's not afraid of the 10, 15, 20 people in front of it. Very, very cool image. Does the tape exist? Who knows? The story, again, is, is pretty fragmented. But the reason why I wanted to cover it, because it just gave me that image. And then you, it made me think, how many blank video cassettes are out there just floating around in bins or at garage sales or stored somewhere in the attic? That is something so bizarre. Someone made a videotape of them killing somebody. Somebody made a videotape of them getting killed. <laughs> they're filming it and they're like, oh, I got ejected and throw it in that bin. You have that stuff, but then think about like video footage of someone was investigating a haunted house before the internet. So you had nowhere to share that stuff. All these video cassettes, you would shoot a video, and if it was shot before the year 2008, 2007, it only exists on that cassette. So how many ghost sightings, alien sightings, and I'm not even talking about blurry lights in the sky, I'm talking about legitimate alien sightings that you videotaped somewhere in Ohio back in 1992. 
and you showed it to your friends and they didn't believe you and then if you got embarrassed then you kind of put it away and maybe you think about it but you can't find it anymore but the video still exists it's out there somewhere how many sightings are still out there on these black video cassettes that have already been re- recorded over for an episode of Roseanne but but there may be a videotape of a gray alien staring down a bunch of russian soldiers trying to find what happened to his fallen space brethren Jones, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We're leaving behind Russia. We're saying goodbye to MTV Studios again. I don't even think they exist anymore. I think Nickelodeon's the flagship of that entire Viacom brand. We're leaving behind Russia. We are headed out to a small house in a normal neighborhood. Now, you'd think that would be a difficult thing to find but i've actually installed a new device because so many times i just tell you to go to random places hit that button little gps it's going to take us right to this young woman's house now this next story is interesting for two reasons one i'll explain right now and one i'll explain later that's the best way i can describe it there's a young woman we're gonna call her margaret and her sister veronica has come to stay at her house for a while. Now, we don't know the ages. Those are names I made up. We don't know the ages, but we're, we'll assume they're early 20s because it doesn't really matter to the story. But if you want to picture it, two sisters, they're both in their early 20s. The year's 2018, and I already forgot the names. <laughs> Veronica's the older one. What was the other one, Margaret? Veronica and Margaret are having a grand little time doing whatever sisters do, making jeans and stuff like that. Who knows? I'm not a girl or <laughs> sister. I've never been a sister. But it's time to go to bed. The gene making is done. <laughs> Apparently the sweatshop they opened in their house. Dude! Someone blew the whistle. They already worked 18 hours a day. Now they can go to bed. Veronica. Veronica goes up into her bedroom. Now this bedroom is relatively small. The way Margaret describes it. She says it's a standard, standard size room. There's a light switch on a wall. You take a couple steps and you're at a queen sized bed. Which takes up the bulk of the room. There's some shelving. Little nightstand. A vanity. Overall, not a big room. There's a window where a street lamp outside shines enough light in that you would want to close the drapes to get a good night's sleep. But you're still going to get a trickle of light coming in. So as Jones lands the carpenter copter, we're standing outside this house. We see the bedroom light flick off. Veronica is going to sleep. In the middle of the night, Veronica wakes up. She has to go to the bathroom. She jumps out of bed and she begins walking towards the bedroom door. And she's walking and walking and walking. The room's pitch black, which is kind of what she expected. That's how we tend to wake up in dark rooms. This isn't the room she normally stays in. She's visiting. So you don't know exactly how dark it's going to get, but this room is pitch black. And she realizes she's walked 20, 30 steps in a room that should be crowded by a queen bed and a few other items. She's not really thinking, thinking right now. She actually turns around and she walks back and she finds the bed. Even in the pitch black, she can find the bed. Now that she's back in her bed, she's still not thinking about the distance she covered. She's still just waking up. But she goes to grab her phone off the nightstand. There's no nightstand. She's sitting on a bed in a black void. Now the panic is starting to set in. She jumps off the bed and begins walking back towards the door. Cannot find it. She goes back to the bed. 
She figures, maybe I'm disoriented. Maybe I'm on a conveyor belt like Tom and Jerry. She walks in another direction. 20, 30, 40 steps. She walks back to the bed. No matter which direction she walks from the bed, there's no walls. Just a pitch black void. The next morning, she tells her sister this story. Because her sister could tell she was a little upset. She's like, hey, what happened last night? Did you not have a good night's sleep? Did you not have a good night's sleep on the edge of a black hole? Veronica's like, what? She's like, no, no, no. I didn't say the last point. Veronica goes, yeah, I didn't have really good sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night. And she tells Margaret the story that I just told you. That's really the end of the narrative. But it's not the end of the story. I found this on Reddit. It was by Auspicious Arrow on Reddit. She posted this about her sister. In and of itself, it's a story that obviously could be a could be a waking dream. It could be made up. It could be completely made up. It could be true. There's one detail that's missing is why did Veronica go back to bed? Did she just decide to get asleep in the middle of the edge of reality? Did she remember falling asleep? Did she stay up until the morning? We don't know. That's kind of a detail I would like to know. And not to say it's a deal breaker. There's a lot of stories where people are like confronted by aliens or demons and then they go right to sleep. But I thought it was an interesting detail. As the story itself, I thought it was a creepy visual that was probably worth a mention on this show. But then something really bizarre happened. I read this stuff constantly. That's all I do. That's all I do is read. Uh, you, hear the, you hear the exhaustion in my voice? I have to consume tons of... I have to consume about 10 stories for every two I share with you on the show. Like, no joke. I'm just constantly researching, researching this stuff. The reason why I say that is because something happened that I don't really see often, and I've never seen it with this type of phenomenon. This is very rare. I've never heard of this happening before. Sometimes people will post stuff about astral travel, or I think my sister's possessed by a demon, or I think monkeys aren't real, or whatever it is. The reason why I say all that, because I wanted to tell you how much of this stuff I read, an interesting thing happened on this Reddit thread. A bunch of people jumped in and said, that happened to me, too. Now, you may go, Jason, that's just people, like, latching on. It's karma farming or whatever. I read a ton of this stuff, and if someone does a post about astral travel, and it has maybe 20 comments, you might get one or two who say that same thing happened to me. But astral travel is very common. So even out of those 20 comments, you'll get one or two who say that happened to me. A couple other people will say you're headed to hell because it's, like, demonic, and then some people will say that's not true. Same thing, someone will say, I think I saw a big cat in Britain, or I think I saw the Mothman, and you might get one or two people who go, I also saw that. Other people will say stuff like, I've heard of people saying that, but you don't get a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon. With this one, about one-third of the comments, there's about only, there was about, I think, 20 comments on that, and there was about four or five of them who said, that happened to me. And they explained their own experience in detail that it also happened to them. Goonie in real life said 33 years ago when they were a little kid, they woke up, they were in a pitch black room. They could only find their bed. No matter which direction they walked in, they could find nothing else, but they could always find their way back to the bed. There was a Reddit user, OVO Dave, 15 years ago, said that when he was 13, he woke up in a pitch black room. But in his case, he saw a white light far in the distance. It was nothing he could get close to. The more he walked, it just stayed there. And the whole ordeal terrified him so much, he began screaming out loud. His parents came, they opened the bedroom door, and he was standing right in front of the bedroom door. 
You had a couple other people mirroring that same event. You had one person said that they woke up. This one, made, this one uh, out of all of them, would make me think it was a dream. She woke up and she looked down and the universe was under her bed. So it wasn't so much that everything else was black, but when she looked down, she could see galaxies below her feet. That one sounds a little more dreamish. But you see, so that's what's interesting about this. Is like you could have people making this up. But generally, a lot of times, they'll try to outdo the original poster. You have these people going, oh, no, the same thing happened to me. And you would think it only happened to you because there's no literature on this. It's not like astral travel. It's not like Mothman or mummies. Those don't really pester people. It's not like Mothman or Bigfoot or anything like that. There's no real literature on this. We had one user named Latalis Kalem say that it didn't happen to her, but it happened to her grandma. Her grandma was in the rest home. And she told this story to her family. One night she woke up and the room was gone. It was an endless sea of flowers in every single direction. And the apparition continued until a nurse walked into the room. Just like when the boy's parents opened the door, the room all of a sudden became a room again. The nurse walked in and the nurse remarked, it smells like flowers in here. Now, again, that sounds more far-fetched than, than the idea of just being in the darkness, but I just thought that was kind of a pleasant one. But again, that out of all of them, the universe and the flower ones are the most skeptical ones, the ones that you'd be the most skeptical about. Because if we take the original idea of waking up into a void, which again, I've never seen any literature on, that's weird. The story itself is weird, but again, it was kind of a one-off story. But once I started looking at the comments and other people acknowledging that this had happened to them, I wonder if this is a real phenomenon. And I wonder if this is something that happens to people. And because you can't go to Giles and he goes through the Watcher's Manual and can point to it, and you go, oh, this is that. This is this known thing. This is Poltergeist. This is UFO. da 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 it's so unique that if it happened to you, you may not ever register it. Or if you did, it was a scary childhood memory or a nightmare or sleep paralysis or something like that. Because there's not hundreds of other cases to go off of. Imagine if you had no context for aliens or angels. No religious deities, no aliens, nothing like that. And you were walking through the woods and you were abducted. And then when they dropped you off, not a single other person in the world ever talked about celestial beings or things from the sky or anything like that. You would think you were insane. You would abs- You would have no point of context for that. Same thing if you saw a cup fly out of your cupboard and smash against the wall. We know about poltergeists. We know that's a thing. So you would go, oh, smashed cup. That's a ghost. I can go to a priest. I can go and burn sage. Like you have all of these things from the lore. I've never come across this before. Just someone waking up in a pitch black room, a limitless pitch black room. It does verge on alien encounters. We've had people go to bed and wake up in other locations, but they're just that, a location. You wake you wake up and then you run out the door and then you're outside of some medical facility. We covered a story like that maybe about 40 episodes ago. His grandma was trying to fight the aliens. I'll see if I can find that in the show notes. That's super vague, but... We've had that happen before. It's right on the cusp of that. But it's not astral projection. It's not... It's not. We know it's not astral projection because the kid woke up. He was standing in front of the door. Very, very curious. And that's why I love to cover obscure stuff on this show. 
Because even though we can look at all the paranormal stuff, we have no idea what's really going on out there. There is so much other bizarre phenomenon out there that we're not aware of. Look at David Pallades and Missing 411. Whatever your opinion on that, whether you think it's real or Bigfoot or ghost or the government, that phenomenon never existed. It wasn't in the cultural context until he wrote those books. There's so much out there that is, now that's a mainstream thing, but it used to be incredibly obscure. The books went for like $100. They were out of print. So there's so much out there. I'm never worried about running out of content for this show because of stuff like this, stuff that I've never heard of in my decades of researching this. Not someone just being teleported out of the room, being abducted, but the room not existing anymore. It sounds fictional, but so did two dudes spraying diarrhea on teenage girls. That sounded... I didn't believe that existed either. And to top it all off, it's just creepy. When you go to bed in the back of your mind, you're thinking, someone might kick in my door and stab me in my sleep. You're like, Jason, that's why you have insomnia. (laughs) That's why you can't sleep. I think about that all the time. And then I'm laying there and I think, okay, someone could stab me while I'm sleeping. I could wake up. There could be four gray aliens standing around the bed. I could wake up as Killer Bob is crouched at the edge of my bed. You could wake up with a phantom's hands wrapped around your throat. All this stuff. Like, I've thought about all those things, but not once have I ever thought I might wake up And there's nothing around me. Just nothing. No walls, no windows, no Lil John directing me to either of those locations. Nothing. I never thought about nothing. And sometimes nothing is the scariest thing of all. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Yeah.